Sports fans, I'm Danielle McCartan. Danielle in the daytime. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you until 4 p.m. today on this Saturday, September 11th, 2021. Ed Arduman, Big Zoo, and I are working on a weekend like usual, and we are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio in Lower Manhattan. So again, I want to welcome in my normal overnight listeners. I've got some tweets that said that they've uh, rearranged their schedules to tune in today. So I appreciate you, and I see you guys. And welcome to the brand new sets of ears that are tuned in right now. And you guys know the number. It's probably already pre-programmed into your phone. 877-337-6666. And as always, let's load them up with your best content only, please. And thank you over the next three hours. So I'm sitting here uh, in the studio here, not in my usual attire, which we all have fun with. Not a Yankees nor a Mets jersey. Not in a navy blue cap nor a royal blue cap. But in a plain shirt, wearing an FDNY cap. As we are all aware, and as you've seen in former Yankees and Mets players' testimonials all throughout this week, this weekend, this Subway series is an emotional one. You guys know that this is a total stick-to-sports show, but I figured we could talk about September 11th from as best as a sports lens as possible. So... I don't have a song to intro to this. Instead, I, uh, I listened and edited together the audio from the National Archive of then-President George Bush's address to the nation, delivered 20 years ago today from the Oval Office. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. These acts shattered steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. This is a day when all Americans from every walk of life unite in our resolve for justice and peace. America has stood down enemies before, and we will do so this time. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. And that, George Bush from the Oval Office, 20 years ago today, on this 20th anniversary of the September 11th terror attacks. Thank you to all the first responders and the Americans that defend our country, past, present, and future. My condolences to the thousands of families affected by this great American tragedy. And rest in peace to the 2,977 innocent souls that perished on this day 20 years ago. May we never forget and always remember you know we talk often here on this show now from a sports lens here how rob madfred and mlb have gotten a lot of things wrong (laughs) i mean you don't need me to begin to list all of them astros will start there right but not today because today and this weekend in the beautiful pregame tributes for the new york mets have planned at city field we are going to be reminded that we are all new yorkers we are all americans and bigger than baseball I'm sure you're going to feel it tonight when you watch that game. This is just yet another solid reminder that we are all on the same team. And as created and decided upon by Rob Manfred and MLB and executed by the Mets, here's what to expect later tonight from the Mets and Yankees Subway Series on tonight, September 11th, 2021. 
So there's a few things that the Mets have planned. Number one, um, a tweet from Anthony DeComo explains kind of what I was just talking about. He said that the the Mets plan to alter their home white uniforms. Rather than saying Mets, the script across the front of the jerseys will actually read New York to represent the city. And then they said that the jerseys are also going to be tweaked to reflect the style and colors of the 2020, uh, I'm sorry, the 2001 version. So I'm thinking, I think I read from MLB.com, they're going to put that, um, the little patch on the sleeve, you know, 9-11-01 with the American flag. They're also going to be wearing the American flag um, right underneath the MLB logo on their backs, you know, by their necks. Um, and the other thing is players on both teams, like me right now, will be wearing first responders caps um, during batting practice and throughout the game. And I was thinking about this. Like, if I were a player, I think I would want to, like, rotate my hat every um, every inning, I would think, if I were a player, if I were playing. Because the Mets said in a statement, caps from the FDNY, NYPD, Port Authority, Police Department, Department of Sanitation, and the Department of Correction will all be represented to commemorate the bravery and sacrifice. That's from the New York Mets. So that's, like, what, five different caps. I would wear, like, one every two innings. I'd switch it. That's what I would do. And then the third thing is uh, just what to look for tonight in this game. Bobby Valentine, who was obviously the Mets manager in 2001, will throw the first pitch to, you know, who's going to be catching the ball, Joe Torrey, who was the Yankees manager also in 2001. And the Mets say that 14 members of that team, that 2001 team, will be in attendance, including Hall of Famer Mike Piazza. And Piazza, as you know, hit the home run. Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. That home run. Courtesy, the home run call, courtesy of MLB.com. How cathartic was that? And then the fifth thing is there are going to be many 9-11 charities represented on the field during the pregame. So I'm sure that the Mets, and hopefully the Yankees too, will have some other things, other surprises planned that we just don't yet know about. So with all of that said, these games mean something to both of our New York teams. I'm about to break down Friday night's game, the same game, from both the Mets and the Yankees' perspectives. So we are the Yankees Radio Network. So let's look at them first. Yeah. The Yankees, they are channeling their inner Green Day. Will someone wake them up when September ends? So far this month, they are two in seven. And both of those losses were to the worst, or two, I'm sorry, two of those losses were to the worst team in baseball, the Orioles. And actually, the Yankees are lucky that they didn't get swept that series because they basically took that one win from Baltimore, and it took them 11 innings to do so. Remember, the worst team in the league, the Orioles. Then four of those seven losses so far in the month of September were to the hands of, or the claws of the Blue Jays, who swept the Yankees in four games at Yankee Stadium. Those same Blue Jays that closed major ground on the Yankees in the wildcard race this past week. And the most recent of those seven losses for the Yankees in the month of September came in a blowout loss to the Mets last night. 
And despite all of that, Aaron Boone, prior to the Mets game Friday, he must have been watching an entirely different team than the rest of us this month. He said, and are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? Please don't drive off the road. He said, I feel like there's a ton of confidence within this group right now. Hmm. And then when he was asked about the Yankees making the postseason, he said, I know we're going to do it. Our best baseball is still ahead. Well, I guess he didn't mean Friday night because the Yankees lost by a touchdown to the Mets at Citi Field. So let's look a little closer at this embarrassing loss. I've got one, two, three, two and a half, three and a half things to talk about here. So first, Aaron Boone and his computers did not put Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield or in the entire lineup. Remember, NL Park. Now call me crazy. But if you're literally fighting for your playoff lives, why wouldn't you have one of your best hitters as of recent in the lineup? I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. Boone was asked about it prior to the game, and this, I couldn't believe it, was his exact quote. He said, in regards to Stanton not playing last night, I'm just looking at two of the three games, just kind of weighing out the matchups. It made sense to go with him Saturday and Sunday. End quote. You mean to tell me again that a grown man in the prime of his career cannot play the outfield in three consecutive must-win games? Is that a freaking joke? Second thing, DJ LeMay, who said after the game, I think we're beyond frustrated, and now is not the time to point fingers at anyone. Okay, well, I'll do it for you. Gary Sanchez was solely responsible for the Mets' five-run third inning. Gary Sanchez continues to be a liability. The same liability that we all know that he is behind the plate. I mean, wow. To the third inning we go. And my favorite phrase, not really. And that ball gets by Sanchez. That started it all off. It was score the wild pitch somehow. And the runners moved up to second and third with nobody out. Cue the joker. And here we go. Fast forward three batters. Montgomery finally induces a a ground ball out. He was struggling, or it should have been. Gio Urshela made an awesome play to snag the grounder at third base, hit off the bat of Javier Baez, and he came up firing to get the force play at home, which was the right play. And Gary Sanchez was worried about the runner before he was worried about the ball. So instead of shaking the cement blocks from his cleats and shuffling two steps to his left to catch the ball and then apply the tag, he reached for it like a little leaguer. Of course, it went by him. And of course, the run scored. And don't forget about the botched tag play at the plate by Gary Sanchez in the first inning. You haven't seen it? Well, when I checked this morning around 9.30, it had 288,000 views on SNY's Twitter page. Yep, it is a classic breakdown of what not to do as a catcher at any level. Show it to your youth teams. I'm not kidding. So what happened was VR tried running home on a ball hit severely in front of Joey Gallo in left field. Gallo, crow hop, picked it up, rocketed it home. And VR, for any other catcher in the league, would have been dead to rights. Not good old Gary. Gallo's throw was completely in time. He threw him out easily. But wait! Gary Sanchez, with two hands, tried to tag VR in the head. What? 
Why is he trying to tag him in the head? Initially, VR was called out, and he jumped up and he implored Rojas to challenge it. And lo and behold, the Yes Network went to the commercial and they came back, the headsets were on, and VR was called safe. That should have been the end of the inning right there. Instead, it was a 1-1 tie. And that was a pivotal point in this game in the early going at this point. Remember, we're in the first inning. It's a 1-1 tie. And here's what his good old skipper Booney said of the play. He said, obviously, he's going to be out easy. It's a great throw by Joey. I think he just felt like he was going to, because he was so out, that he was just going to pull up. Well, he got out of his crouch in athletic position, and in that spot, it's just a play where he needs to stay in his legs a little bit better. Wow! An excuse? No fire? No wonder why this team performs the way it does. And as you can see, Gary Sanchez was directly responsible for three Mets runs that will not show up on your scorecard. The one wild pitch, because those runners always end up scoring, which one did. The one on the Arshella play, and the one on the Gallo throw from left field. Third and final thing I noticed from a Yankee perspective last night. Jordan Montgomery was terrible, and he just barely survived the bottom of the third inning. He needed 36 pitches to do it. The Yankees entered that frame ahead 2-1. to one. And they left it down 6-2 to two after the Mets batted around in their order. And then, in an astonishing turn of events, Aaron Boone marched Jordan Montgomery back out there for the bottom of the fourth inning. Like, what? Even the Yes Network broadcast team predicted, incorrectly, that Tyler McGill, the last out of the bottom of the third inning, was going to be Montgomery's last batter. Nope. Not in Booney's world. I actually wrote down in my notes at the time, huh? That was in capital letters. And I wrote, Boone managing to lose this game. He had a pitcher ready in the bullpen last inning. What is he doing? And the most frustrating part in all of this is that these Yankees look like, I'm doing air quotes here, the Yankees of old. Disengaged, lifeless, non-motivated, going through the motions, playing without a sense of urgency, or any word or phrase that you can come up with from this family of words or phrases will do. I talked very early on in this season when I could still tabulate box scores by hand. That's how early it was about how this Yankees team doesn't seem to be able to come back from when they're down early. Well, guess what? I was onto something then in April. Because when the Yankees have trailed by four or more runs at any point in a game this season, They're 0-35. The Yankees have not won a single game in which they've been losing by four runs at any point in the game. And if you've been around sports enough, you know that a team takes on the personality of its coach or manager. We've talked about that before here. Here's what Aaron Boone had to say after the game last night. I am encouraged by what I believe is their genuine underlying confidence. I believe they know they're going to come out of this. They're expecting that each and every day. Wow. Well, this laissez-faire attitude of, oh, it'll come to us, instead of we need to go out and seize it, is exactly what's killing this team. This team will not make the postseason with that collective attitude. And Meredith Morakovic asked him if his team came in unfocused. He responded, no, I've been asked that question a lot. 
And I actually didn't even hear the rest of his answer because, wait, you've been asked that question a lot? Shouldn't that tell you something right then and there? And furthermore, the Yes Network broadcast said that the Yankees, record-wise, are in their worst stretch of 13 games since the year 2000. They are skidding down a seven-game losing streak in mid-September. You want to know how something crazy about how bad these Yankees have been? Well, how about in that Blue Jays four-game series? The Yankees never had a lead. They were never ahead of the Blue Jays, not once in those four games. And the last time that the Yankees have not led in a series of four games or more, you ask, when did the last time that happen? 1924. 1924 was the last time that the Yankees never had a lead in a four-game series. Two crucial lineup decisions that fall on Aaron Boone over the last two days. Friday night, Stanton. He's got 22 home runs against the Mets, was parked on the bench. Thursday, in a 2-2 game in the seventh inning against the Blue Jays, Boone called upon journeyman Sal Romano to figure it out instead of bringing in any other reliever. And that didn't go well. Bo Bichette singled to Gardner in shallow center field, and Gardner cannot make a throw to any base other than second, which there was no play at anyway. And his pitiful ball bounced before it even hit the infield dirt, gobbled up by an infielder, and the damage was already done. A run came in. Romano found himself in a first and third jam, having just given up the lead to the Blue Jays. And why, though, would you choose Romano in that big of a spot? Perhaps... The manager, Aaron Boone, doesn't quite understand the gravity or the urgency of the situation. Yankees ended up losing that game 6-4. to So ultimately, my question to the Yankees and to Aaron Boone is this. Are you managing to win or are you managing not to lose? I think everyone listening to my show right now knows it's the latter. And that, my friends, is the wrong way to go about doing it. And you are all seeing the results of it. That was supposed to be a get-right series for this team against the Mets, who are an NL team on the outside looking in of every potential possible postseason permutation. Instead, the Yankees are now owners of a seven-game losing streak, and they are coming off a game where they allowed 10 or more runs at City Field for the first time ever. Boone said after the game, it's just a poor performance, period. DJ LeMahieu delivered the understatement of the century, and he said, we need to get it going in a hurry. That's Bruce Springsteen, by the way. You recognize the voice. The Mets had a little surprise planned for the Yankees at City Field last night. Luis Rojas, Friday afternoon, said of this team, they are ready to go tonight. They are looking forward to a great weekend series against the Yankees. Well, I was looking over, you know, my questions that I wrote to myself prior to the game starting. I was looking to answer these two questions. One, can the Mets, or more specifically, Edwin Diaz, shut it down and close it out? Well, that's funny because they didn't even need to put him into the game. A 10-3 blowout victory will do that for you. So I guess put that point on hold for the time being. My second question was to myself to look for in the game, where are the bats? Because coming into the series, in their prior three games, the Mets have 4.67 hits per game. That's good for 28th in the league of 30 teams. You can't score if you can't hit. 
Well, let's talk about last night. 11 hits and 10 runs later. I think the Mets did check that box for me. Javier Baez was the drum major of the hit parade going three for four. And Baez, surprisingly to me, has hit 343 since returning from the I.L. What I found that I wasn't looking for, Tyler McGill, what an outing. Seven inning pitched of two-run ball. And he struck out a career high. Ten batters last night. Ten Yankees. Tyler McGill struck out. LeMahieu, Sanchez, Urshela, Odor, Montgomery, Judge, Rizzo twice, and Gallo twice makes 10. He has been such a pleasant surprise for this Mets team this season. One in which their number one, Jacob deGrom, has missed significant time. I think he last took them out. I think the date was July 7th. And the Mets are missing their number two, Noah Syndergaard, who hasn't thrown a pitch yet this year. This regular season, I should say. And McGill, after the game, he said, for the most part, I was dominating tonight. Yeah, he's got that right. And then Jeff McNeil, what what I wasn't looking for but found. Jeff McNeil executed my favorite play of the game. A play that after it, Luis Rojas said, I almost had a heart attack. Jeff Neil, McNeil, that sneaky little squirrel. It was clearly a do-at-your-own-risk, bases-loaded drag bunt in the pivotal third inning. McNeil squared late on the first pitch, channeled his inner slap-hitting lefty softball player, angled his bat, and dropped a beautiful bunt on the first base side of the infield. Anthony Rizzo fielded it, but there was no one covering first base. Jordan Montgomery didn't even get off the mound. And I don't even think they had a shot, even if someone was covering that base. Conforto scored. Everyone else moved up a base. And at that point, it was 4-2 Mets. What a play. Kids, that's what you are to watch. That's the highlight I'd like you to watch, players everywhere. Forget about watching Gary Sanchez trying to tag the runner at home. Watch Jeff McNeil put that textbook drag bunt down in a game seemingly, nowadays, devoid of them lately. And then Francisco Lindor, I think, was the mouthpiece for the Mets after the game. And he said, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to play in that cold weather in October. Can the Mets do it? Well, that's not probable. Let's get it going. I have set the table for you guys. I can't wait to talk with you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan in the daytime on The Fan in New York City. Welcome back to McCartan in the daytime. Danielle in the daytime. It's a beautiful day outside, everybody, on this September 11th, 2001. 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Before we get there, Derek Jeter, number two. Derek Jeter is now officially a member of baseball's most elite club. He is a National Baseball Hall of Famer. The speech... I guess I'd give it an A-. minus. I loved how he shouted out West Milford, New Jersey. Very cool. But then expanding upon how he would practice outside his grandparents' house in full head-to-toe Yankee uniform. Well, I did the same thing was I when I was his age, too. You know those old Hutch uniforms? You know, the jersey, the helmet, the pants, the stirrups. Yep, I had one. And I had a Mets locker to hang it in. I, too, used to practice in a full Yankee uniform with the same dream of becoming the New York Yankees shortstop. 
And that was, for me, by far the most relatable part of his entire speech, the most relatable part of the entire day, actually. And I loved how he singled out each of his parents and talked about what each of them taught him. He said, I only had one goal in my career, to win more than anyone else. And we did. Oh, that was great. And then, of course, he said, thank you to the baseball writers, all but one of you who voted for me. All those good things. Loved all of those things from Jeter's speech. What I really didn't like, I hate to even say it, but I just didn't like how in-depth he went in with his daughters. I know, I'm a terrible human being, but, like, they wanted no part of being there. They obviously didn't understand what he was saying to them. I mean, I get it. One day they will understand, but I just think it could have been, I don't know, just a little more concise. And I also wish that he went a little bit more in-depth about his teammates, especially the ones that were there to see him. He just mentioned all of them in just one single sentence. Who was it? A CC was there. Well, obviously Mariano was on the stage. You had Posada. You had Tino Martinez. Like, I would have liked to hear a little bit about them as well. You know, maybe a sentence each. I just wish that Derek Jeter showed a little emotion. You know, it was just that same stoic Jeter that we've seen since 1996. And he did say after it was over that he was looking above his family in the crowd as to not get choked up. But why not? It's such a, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not such a bad thing, really. And now he missed out on watching their reactions to his speech live forever. Anyway, I know I'm a harsh critic. I do this all week at my day job. Overall, great job by Jeter. A-minus speech. And congratulations to a true New York Yankee, a true New York athlete, transcendent upon any fandom. You don't have to like him. But I'm sure that you respect him, no matter which team you root for. The guy is a proven winner. So let's get to some proven winners of you guys on the phones. 877-337-6666. In the order that you guys called, that's how we do it here. Danny in Long Island, you are our leadoff caller of the day. Hey, good morning. That means i got to take the first pitch, right? I'm a leadoff. <laughs> okay, you got it. You got uh, lo- it. Love the emotion. Love it. <laughs> Love the love the manner in which you described uh, Mr. Sanchez's play last night. You're missing out one little point as I was listening. Mm-hmm. For, for the person who hasn't seen it, he got out of the way. <laughs> That's the key to the first thing. He had the ball clearly out in front of home plate and just took two steps to the left to say, here's the home plate, Velar. Feel free to slide <laughs> just, right in. Just take and then it. he attempted. And I've been teaching Little League. My kid's going to go to college. Yeah. You tag the feet. Yes. If you look. You take, you put the, you, you don't look for the runner. I know. You put the glove down in front of the plate, and the runner will show up there eventually. Yeah. And it was probably my son was at the game with his friends. He texted me, "Did you just see that?" I, said, <laughs> I, can't, I don't know. And that was just a warm up, like I said. Obviously, it was a wild pitch because it bounced, but it was it was a C minus effort to, with the men on base to block the ball. Brutal. And then, of course, the, the play at home. I don't think for it doesn't excuse Sanchez, but to me. That ball was hit so hard with right-handed batter. That could have been a double play or at least a force play at second base. I thought the play coming home, unless he was, unless he was instructed, they were playing in field in yeah. to go for the runner at home. It was mm-hmm. still early in the game mm-hmm. that they could have possibly turned a double play. But being at the Yankees, he probably would have thrown that ball into right field. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what's going on with the Yankees right now. I, I, I always laugh when people say they're playing the Orioles or they're playing this team. I always say to my son, this is not football, where if the best team plays the worst team, not only will they win 10 games in a row, but they'll win 40 nothing. The worst team in baseball wins 40% of its games. That's like a team in football at 6-10. and 10. That's, not a, you know, that's not horrible. I mean, yeah. it's not winning, but especially in baseball, when the Yankees play the Orioles, 
The Orioles are used to playing in front of 9,000 people who don't want to be there. Now they come to Yankee <laughs> Stadium, and the manager knows everybody's looking at him. He's coaching like it's game seven. Yeah. The pitch is pitching. So the Yankees just haven't played well oh, yeah. for a month now, or however long it's been. And the attendance will tell you last night that was not a sellout. Mm-hmm. There were 6,000 empty seats in the house last night. They can even put more out in the, uh, the promenade and all that section. So both fans of both teams, I mean, if you'd have told me, Back in, Ju- in July, that both teams would be fighting for a wild card. You would have bet that that would be a sellout. They'd be hanging out off the rip. But it wasn't because yeah. both fans know what we're looking at. The Yankees, again, if they get in, they can turn it around. This is baseball, kids. The Yankees win it every single year. They never win it. So maybe the year they barely make it in, wouldn't that be a story? They'd be talking about this year forever. This would be the 86 Mets. This would be the Yankees because it would be so improbable that they would do it. But you're, you're, you're right. You're right. They just you watched that game last night and it was so sloppy. And the worst part about Sanchez, he looks disinterested. Throw your helmet down. Yeah. Break a bat in half. Do something that tells me that you realize you're stinking up the house. And he doesn't. He has that lackadaisical devil may care look. Like Gardner, he strikes out. He wants to break the bat in half. And well, that's a little ridiculous too, there, Danny. And thanks for that. That's I, the, the Brett Gardner banging on the dugout. I can I can see never that again, and I'd be happy about it. That is ridiculous too. But I get you. Gary Sanchez doesn't feel or doesn't look like he has the feel of a guy that's like bothered by anything that's going on. And I'm telling you, that stems from the manager himself. The manager doesn't seem bothered by any, anything that's going on. He's got his, his catcher and the rest of his team taking on his personality. And that's a problem. And that needs to be corrected. And he was given a whole season to correct it, that Aaron Boone. And he didn't. So guess what? Especially, especially if the Yankees don't make the postseason. I mean... Bye, bye, bye. I'm going to get the NSYNC song ready for that day because it's, it's, I think it's over. I mean, think about the Yankees. They fired Joe Girardi after he took them to within one game, an underachieving, I mean, a, an overachieving Yankees team within one game of the World Series and was fired. So what does that tell you? I think Aaron Boone is done. And if he comes back, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. And uh, how about this? I, this past week, I put up a Twitter poll, one of my like most popular Twitter polls. It said, I'm 33 years old with a life goal to catch a home run ball. One has never even been hit remotely close to me. And there is exactly a 0% chance that I'm throwing that ball back. Should I catch one? I don't care who hit it. So what are your feelings on that? Tell me, 877-337-6666. If I'm catching it, I'm keeping it. Those are mine. All right? So, 877-337-6666 is the number. If you cannot get through on the phones, you can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan, everybody. Um, I got a message. I asked you before the break. I'm telling you, if I'm catching a foul ball, I mean, or a home run ball or a foul ball, I don't care who freaking hits it. I am keeping that ball no matter what, there is a 0% chance that I am throwing that ball back. I got a message from Vic in Hasbrook Heights, and he says, you keep it unless you're playing the Red Sox, then you throw it back. No, 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 no. I don't care who hit it. I don't care if Jose Altuve hit the ball. I'm keeping it. And guess what? 13% of you guys said, in my poll on Twitter, 13% of you guys said that you're going to throw it back. That means 87% of you anonymous people out there said you're going to keep it too. 
That's such a classic case study in mob mentality, a sociological concept that a large group of people is going to influence your decision to do something, you know, positive or negative, whatever, maybe something that you wouldn't normally do. Well, guess what? If I'm catching a home run ball, I'm freaking keeping it, man. I don't care. You could boo me, dump your beers on me. I don't really give, I almost said bad word there. I don't really care. I'm keeping it. Are you keeping it too? Heck yeah. yeah. I'm tossing people out of the way to get that thing. <laughs> How about you throw the people on the field? Exactly. I mean, hey, if you're, if you're too close to the rail, I can't I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> yeah, same here. All right, let's go to the calls. 877-337-6666. Stuart, Brooklyn, you're up on the fan. Have we had enough, Danielle? <laughs> Have we had enough of the same talk? Blah, 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 blah. I, I, I can't watch him anymore. Aaron Boone, you're talking, right? Aaron Boone. Yeah. Oh, you got that right. Oh, I cannot watch him. I am so sick of him. And you're right. Girardi gets fired one game short of the World Series? Yeah. Come on. And what are they waiting for? What, the end of the season? Baron Boone is a Brian Cashman puppet. Mm-hmm. It's simple. It goes something like this. Boone's got to go. Cashman's got to go. You know why? 23 years being general manager. When did you ever hear of a general manager? Having a job 23 years in any sport for 23 years in all of sport history. I don't know. Never, Stuart. I, yeah. I've never heard that, Danielle. Yeah. Me and neither. If it was George, if George, let him rest in peace, let George rest in peace. If this was George, Black Cashman would have been fired. And Boone definitely would have been fired. There was no way they were going to keep their jobs. Come on, I don't care what Cashman did. Cashman has not addressed the pitching. The only pictures he's got were uh, CeCe Zabathia and Derek Cole. And Tanaka. Well, he, did, he, he got Tanaka. And Tanaka. Okay, yeah. three guys. Yeah, three guys. AJ yeah. Burnett was nothing. Yeah, AJ Burnett was a bust. Yeah. Carl Pabana, Kay Gower, and what else? Nothing. And he's done things. And then you don't play Stan against the Mets, who said 22 home runs against the Mets, and you don't play him? Are you kidding me? And you know, you're right about, you're right about uh, a lot of things, but more than ever, you're right about the team is taking on his personality, which absolutely 100% is so lackadaisical, it's a, it's a joke. Yeah, well, Stuart, we're, yeah, Stuart, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get it. We'll come around. They know what's up. They know. I mean, when are you going to go out there and just grab it already? Stop waiting for it to come to you. You go and grab it. And guess what? I hate to tell you this, Stuart. I hate to break you the news. George Steinbrenner is not resting in peace right now watching what's going on in the Bronx. He is not resting in peace. The guy is probably rolling over in his grave. Enough of this. Enough. And as you were talking, Stuart, I was thinking, okay, would they fire Boone and keep Cashman? Would they keep Cashman? No, they both have to go. You said it, Stuart. They both have to go. Goodbye. Gone. See ya. Start it over. Press the reset button in the Bronx. I know Yankee fans are very impatient. They want a World Series every year, and they deserve a World Series every year. But if you hit the reset button, you have to understand that it's going to take a little bit of time to build. And Aaron Poon, how about this, inherits a team that is locked and loaded and ready to go. Literally within one game of the World Series and hasn't been able to take that team to the promised land yet. What does that tell you about what kind of managerial guts that Aaron Boone has? Robbie in Phoenix, you're up on the fan. Yes, I would like to sing a quick song. Hey, 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 Aaron Boone has got to go. Hey, hey, 
hey, hey, I, I, I want to tell you something. I've seen baseball all over the world in Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, Mexico. Aaron Boone is the worst manager I've seen in my lifetime. I've been watching Yankee baseball since 75, 74. He is the worst. He should never have gotten this job. Um, he should have been fired after 2018. He has no business managing. All right, Robbie, team. give me, give me, tell me what you hate so much about Aaron Boone. Tell me like a one He's concrete too soft, thing. Too soft. Too soft. He doesn't hold people accountable. And when you saw that play by Gary Sanchez, that summed up Aaron Boone's managing just in a heartbeat. Let me tell you something. Gary has gotten worse under Boone. Yeah, I was just about what? to say, <laughs> Robbie. I was going to say, you know, I was on the tip of my tongue. I was going to say that. How would Joe Girardi, who was a catcher, a catcher who caught a perfect game, one World Series, the whole thing, how would he have reacted to that Gary Sanchez uh, debacle last night? Oh, he would have been benched right there and then. I know. He would have been like, give me your stuff. I'm going to put it on and go play. And, and I mean, here's the thing that really bothers me. It's like the team is following its manager. This is not a good baseball team that right now. And... Look how far Gleyber Torres, he's done worse under Boone. Yeah. He's invisible. Yeah, you know, that's... And DJ has not played well. Yeah, Robbie, They're that's not something... responding to him. I might write this down for, for another time here, and thanks for the call there. It just made me think of something. I, I'd have to stand up and get my pencil, but I would like to see and take a look at the players that played under both Girardi and Boone and how they're doing um, with, with both. You, see, you know what I'm saying? Like... How did they do under Girardi, and how did they do under Boone production-wise? I, I would like to see that. I, I, on the break, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a pencil and write that down because that's that's a curious case that I would uh, I would like to see, and I would like to see the answer to because I mean there, I know there's a lot of other factors involved, but like for the most part, this team was locked and loaded and ready, hell bent, set on going to the World Series, and they have fallen short every year since then. Since Aaron Boone has taken over. It's the laissez-faire, doesn't pump up the team, wait for it to, we're the Yankees, we got big bats, it'll come to us. And, and that's like, I mean, that's not how I coach. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it, I think you can understand and envision how I am on a coach and on a sideline. Because it's not that. Andrew, in St. John's, you're up on the fan. Hi. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Andrew, you too. Aaron Boone has got to go. I mean, you hit everything that you said is, is 100% on, on the money because he's got no feel for the game. You're right. He's, he's like, he's managing not to lose. He's not managing to win. Right. And I definitely agree. I think that a lot of the players have regressed. They got rid of Girardi because they thought he was too hard on the players. But yeah. They played better. He managed the bullpen much better. And, he had more of a, you know, I mean, Girardi made some mistakes, too. Everyone's going to make mistakes. But, but Boone has no feel for the game. I mean, I, it's, I, I don't know what he's watching. I mean, he then the other night, too, did, did you see, like, the, the, the team is playing, and they're playing the Blue Jays. Um, what's his face? He hits a pinch hit home run to first baseman. I think, uh, boy. And then he's celebrating in the dugout, and they're just, Who's in the game still? I mean, there's something wrong with this team. I, it's crazy. You can't even watch it. You know, Andrew, and that's a good point to end on there. 
if I didn't have to watch that game last night for to be here and talk with you guys today about it and dissect it in every which way, Yankees, Mets, Yankees point of view, Mets point of view, the whole thing. If I didn't have to watch that game, I probably would have turned it off after the third inning last night. I mean, for a Mets team who, who struggles to score runs, who struggles to hit the ball, runners in score, the whole thing. They took it to the New York Yankees, and good for the Mets. Tyler McGill, Tyler McGill, seven innings pitched, two-run baseball against this mighty Yankee team. I mean, good for him, not right? I don't know. I, it's just when you look at this, you look at the team on paper, the, the New York Yankees, that is, and you look at their record, and it's like something doesn't correlate. Like something doesn't match up here. And you're like, okay, well, what could it be? Yes, the players are underperforming. DJ LeMahieu, where has he been? Good thing I didn't buy that DJ LeMahieu. Good thing that wasn't in stock at the beginning of the season. Remember, I was like, where? how do they not have a DJ LeMahieu jersey in their Yankee shop? Well, I'm glad I didn't waste the money on it because this year, he's horrible. I would have been ashamed to put a 26 on my back this year. And, I mean, Garrett Cole, up and down. It's just... It, it's just a, a microcosm of this entire season. When they're hot, they're hot. When they're not, they're not. And I said it at the beginning of the season, figured that this is how this was going to play out. I said, buckle your seatbelts for the New York Yankees roller coaster because it's coming to town. And it's here. They won 13. They lost seven. I mean, is that not it? <laughs> is that not it? You got, oh, oh, how about, we didn't even talk about this yet. Glaber Torres airmailing the ball over Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo, who told Rugnet Odor, throw the ball to me, I will catch it. Wherever it is, I'll catch it. You got Glaber Torres airmailing a ball over his head, like almost landing in the dugout. I mean, I felt like I was watching a Little League team last night based on the errors, mental mistakes, physical mistakes. And I know physical mistakes happen. I do. I, I, I do know that. I coach. But the mental mistakes cannot happen, especially at a major league level. I could not believe my eyes last night. And again, I told you, if I didn't have to watch that game and subject myself to that ridiculousness, I would have turned it off in the fourth inning. Enough. Enough. But then I'm like, well, wait, should I start writing up some notes for tomorrow yet? I mean, the Mets tend to cough up games late. You know what? After that fifth inning, I was like, all right, done deal. It's over with. We've got uh, Erica Herskowitz coming up with an update soon. A couple minutes. We've got more calls coming up. 877-337-6666. Are you an angry Yankee fan? Are you a gloating Met fan right now? And, of course, it is the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan. That's some Darius Rucker. And um, I hate to admit this, like, publicly that I won't be watching the Yankees-Mets live. I'm actually going to be DV- it's DVR at home, and I'm going to the, the Odyssey Stars and Strings tonight, uh, Pier 17, the country music. So Darius Rucker, who was just playing, will be there. Um, and uh, hey, if you guys are going to be there too, tweet me. Let's let's see if we can uh, figure that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's going to be a fun night uh, at you know Pier 17, and uh, it's, it is a fundraiser for September 11th. And... Um, And I do have the Yankees. And so when I get home from that, I'm going to turn on the Mets and Yankees game. So you know what? Try not to tweet me during the game. No, I'm not one of those people. I don't really care. My cousin from, I bring him up like every once, yeah. He he lives in Tampa and he, 
he has kids, so he DVRs every game, like the Rays games and the uh, Lightning game, whatever. You can't text him anything about the game because he hasn't watched it yet. And I know he's probably listening right now, so that bugs me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, so, um, yeah, the Yankees are uh, trending downward. The Mets are treading water, we'll say. And it has been 20 years. Everybody's got their own September 11th story. Personal to them. I just remember that uh, I was in eighth grade science class when the first kid was uh, called out and sent home. We were like, oh, wow, Justin, what, what, what's going on? More and more got called out and sent home. And I remember they, they didn't really tell us what was going on. Me and my friend Lauren, who also listens to the show, um, we went up to, during lunch, we snuck upstairs. There was like one teacher that had a TV. Our sixth grade teacher. We were in eighth grade at that point, but we knew he had a TV. So we snuck up there, quiet, quiet. First the first time I ever like broke any rules, you know? And uh, we went up there and we watched. He had on, of course, on TV. It was on TV everywhere. He had it on and we were watching through the, the door, the panel of the door, you know? He never knew we were there. So Mr. LaWatch, uh, thanks for, uh, if you're listening, thanks for, uh, I don't know, having the TV on that day because we were able to see exactly what was going on. And, you know, we're in eighth grade. We're 13 years old. And we're like, oh, my God. And then we also didn't want to get caught. So we watched like a little bit of it and we ran back downstairs. And then we knew why everybody was getting called out and sent home. So, yeah, I didn't want to bore you with the whole story, but that's kind of uh, my perspective on this whole thing. I, I was an eighth grader. And um, that's that. So it's been 20 years. It feels just like yesterday. And I wanted to pull this uh, this shades up in here in a second, but... It, uh, the weather I remember is is very similar, a lot of similarities. And um, thank you to the first responders, you know, the people that are keeping our country safe overseas, around the world. Um, condolences to the families and and everything, you know. All right, but this is a sports station, and we'll keep we'll stick to sports. If you guys want to share your memories on September 11th as well, I've got a big Subway Series game tonight. Yankees Mets, 20 years in the making. They're wearing first responders caps, as I am right now. I got an FDNY hat on right now. I, I'm not wearing the Yankees, the Mets, Giants, Jets, nothing today. FDNY on the head. I wish I, I was, I was like, man, I wish I had like an NYPD or Port Authority Police T-shirt or something to wear with it. But right now, it's just the FDNY. All right, let's go back to your calls. 877-337-6666. Ed in Elizabeth. You're up on the fan, Ed. How you doing, Danielle? I'm good. How are you, Ed? What's up? Well, I got a lot of things to say about that that piece of whatever team in the Bronx. Mm. They're bad. And I'm a former college coach, and I just got done coaching a travel baseball game. Here's the, here's the thing. Cashman's definitely got to go, and here's my reasoning why. They got four pitchers on that pitching staff. Starters. Other than Garrett Cole, they go no more than five innings. Yeah. So guess what that does? Burns out the bullpen. Of course. Burns out the bullpen. Yes. Two. But no wait, wait, Ed, be- be- Ed, before you go to two, I, I just want to say, like, that that's not a mistake, though. Like, that is the way that that team is constructed. Like, that's how it is. That's what that's what they, they were aiming for. Well, let, let me say this, Daniel, and I know you're going to agree with me. When they went analytics, they stunk. Let's be honest. They haven't been a good team. I don't care about hitting 308 home runs in a year and all that stuff. Yeah. It's ruining the game. It's ruining the Yankees. Yeah, he, he, hits a, he hits a ball out of the infield at 111 miles an hour. Who cares? It's an I out. It's an out. I don't care about that. I want to know how to play the game. Two, 
and, and no one has really mentioned this since I, you know, I listened to all the talk shows and all that stuff. A big fact is that bullpen, that when they lost Darren O'Day for the year. Yeah. Yes. Darren O'Day, Darren O'Day, okay, he's a, and you know this as a coach yourself, he would be a great one-time-around-the-order guy. Yep. I'm coming inside arm, screwing up everyone's swing. Yep. You know, okay. you know what I liked about Darren O'Day when they got him, and I said this too. I would love to see Darren O'Day one inning, right? He's got, like you said, the the, the funky uh, up up motion, like, and then you, you jam Zach Britton down their throats with with a downward. He, he he lives in the bottom of the zone, like that would confuse the crap out of any hitter. I would think. I agree with you. Three. Why are we playing Glaber Torres? All he gives a darn about is his flair. I got to look cool. I got to lob the ball over. I'll take Andrew Vasquez any day. Has he made some errors? Yes. But you know as a coach too, Daniel, he is aggressive as hell yep. as a fielder. Yeah. They're aggressive mistakes. So you could live with yes. that. Yes, you can. Okay? Yep. Four. When we had that 13-game winning streak, we were hitting and running. We were stealing. Yep. Making things happen. Like the old Yankees. And that they were fun to watch. Now the, all these others, all these prima donnas come back from injury or whatever. We, we're into this launch angle. Got to hit the ball far. We're not good. And you know what? They're not fun to watch. And I'll tell you what. They're not going to make the playoffs. I'll bet anyone right now. They're not making the playoffs. Okay? they got too many injuries. Okay? I know how everyone feels about Aaron Boone. Has he made some blunders? Yes. But you know what? Who's controlling that? Brian Cashman. Yeah. He's controlling everything with the analysts. They're not letting them manage. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, and it's, I can it's a, a look co- in his face. Ed, it's a, colla- a, a collaborative of- effort is what it is out there in the Bronx. It's a collaborative effort. That's the word, right? And uh, the one thing I, I thought about when I was brushing my teeth, I'm glad you brought it up, was Glaber Torres. And, and, and wh- how, why you went there and triggered something in my brain to say, like, you know what? The Yankees don't have names on the backs of their jerseys. Like, for a reason, Right. Everybody knows the, the, they play for the name and the logo on the front of their jerseys. They are not individual players. But, man, doesn't this team feel like a bunch of individual players, doesn't it? I mean, at this point, let's just put names on the backs of their jerseys. I don't know. Eric, and Ron Conkoma, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle. I'm not used to you being on during the daytime here. <laughs> I'm not used to calling uh, in during the daytime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, look, the... Uh, I mean, I have to chime in on the you know this thing with people calling in about Aaron Boone. I mean, you know, let's preface it by saying I'm a Met fan, so I'm, I'm you know looking at it from the outside here. Okay, no one seemed to have a problem with him the last number of years when they were making the playoffs uh, and, and winning a hundred games. Uh, I don't okay, know. Like, I don't know. I mean, I was always kind of on his case. Like, hmm, you're doing that? Well, uh, but right, but I mean, he's not doing anything that most other managers in baseball are doing it. This is the way baseball is for the most part these days. I mean, I can say the exact same stuff about Luis, Luis Rojas, and that's a, that's another person who's got a baseball pedigree, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to be translating to the management part of it. Right. So, I mean, it, over, overall, this is how I'd say probably 80-plus percent of things being done in baseball today. It's just it, it's unfortunate because I, I, I'm not a particular fan of the way Things are done these days, but it, you know th- this is the first time this particular group of Yankee fan is running into uh, you know ne- negative outcomes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, you got to remember now I'm, I'm a little bit older. So I remember what it's like in the eighties when the team stunk. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, most of the Yankee fans don't know if they, you know, beyond 1993, anything but winning. Yeah. I mean, the, my first game I ever went to was 97. Yeah. So I know. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm in that I mean, category. Exception of a, cu- a couple of flat, you know, like maybe one or two flat seasons. And even then it was still winning seasons. Uh, or just just above 500. I mean, they they don't know what it is to experience a losing season. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, overall, I mean, like I said, the the way things are done these days, I'm not a fan. But again, for the most part, they're winning. Uh, just not this year. So, I mean, you can't say he's the worst manager you've ever seen. I mean, trust me, uh, there have been far worse that the Yankees have had. Uh, aside from Aaron Boone, yeah, so. but Eric, my question, my question is this, and, and thanks for the call on the day. We'll, we'll talk tomorrow, possibly, potentially about some football. <laughs> um, Absolutely, looking forward to the Jets. So. <laughs> cool, uh, yeah. So I'll be back uh, twelve noon tomorrow, right up to the Giant game, everybody, just so you can set your alarms and stuff. Um, but the question I have is this: like, there's always going to be this question. I think forever. Joe Girardi took the you know the baby bombers to within one game of that World Series. Boone. I mean, how do I say this? Like, could, if Girardi were given more time with this team, could he have brought them to the World Series? Could he have won a World Series with them? I mean, we're never going to know. But he, Aaron Boone, inherited an entirely talented bunch of players. And, yeah, he won 100 games. I mean, I don't know if, if how many games are actually directly attributed to him versus the construction of that team and how good they were in those, in those years. So it's, it's something we'll never know the answer to, honestly, but I just have a feeling that a Joe Girardi Yankees team would have at least made a World Series. I mean, 2009 was a long time ago. And before that, you know, even longer. Like, it's just one World Series in all these years. It's just like, come on already. I mean, even the Mets appeared in the World Series in 2015. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on already. Lou in Astoria, you're up on the fan. Hello, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'll be quick. I mean, let me yes, put this to, to rest. Uh, if um, Aaron Boone was managing the Joe Torre Yankees, mm-hmm. everybody would be talking different different stuff right now. Okay, so it makes a difference sometimes. The GM, the problem. You know that anyway. Yeah. Uh, quickly uh, on the nine eleven. I'll be real quick. It should be a national holiday and respect for all these people. That uh, on that day, what they did and all the lives that we lost. That's my feeling. I, I agree. Should, it should be a national holiday. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. I, I mean, agree. You know, the protection, I mean, these people try to do and save lives is incredible. Anyway, mm-hmm. on Derek Jeter now, you're going to be shocked. I'm probably the only fan, Yankee fan, that has a problem with Derek Jeter. You brought up a good point. He never said anything about his teammates. And without us, that, that team that he had. Yeah. Okay, which was great players. When I'm talking about five managers in the dugout, mm-hmm. great pitching. I mean, hitters that are, that were incredible. Even brushes, which which he, yeah. which he was never, you know, hit over 300. And for him to stand there and I say, I thank those, those 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 Yankee players because he's not going to admit it, but he was like a complimentary player. And you know what? You, you know you know the game. You coach. He was nobody was afraid of Jeter. Okay, when they came to pitch against the, the Yankee lineup. 
I don't and, know. And, that and, you know, that I don't. I don't know if I necessarily agree well, with that. Uh, let me ask you something, Daniel. If he, if Derek Jeter played for another team rather than the Yankees, you think he'll be his his stacks will be the same? He will have five rings. Well, n- no. But, I got another point. Wait, for you, my wait. Boy. Let me just. No, I don't think so because the way that that team. I mean, Mariano Rivera. I mean, the starting pitcher had to get to inning number six, and the game was over. That was exactly. it. You know, exactly. so. Um, but baseball is not an individual sport. It's not like basketball where LeBron can just kind of up and go to another team and win another championship. It, this is exactly. But it seems to be like it was. It was all Jeter. The other, the other guys didn't do anything. I saw. So, I mean, that thing was incredibly good. You know what I'm saying? They I, were. I, I don't. I don't understand. Now they, he was the captain of the team. He says he led by example. Okay, he's a guy that whenever there was a brawl, okay, he was standing in the in the dugout on the on the on the, on the, on the first step. Watching what was going on, and he didn't even participate. Try to go over there. He's the captain of the team. Okay, ah. Chuck. Uh, Chuck. Uh, what's his name? Who played left field? Chuck. Uh, uh. No, it was the left fielder. Chuck. Charlie he, Hayes. He Charlie went Hayes. and approached Jeter and told him to his face. Listen, you're the captain of the team. Why aren't you out there like everybody else? The next day, the, the, the Norris, I think it was Norris, Chuck Norris. He he was straighted away. This is one of the problem that I got with Chuck this guy. Norris. Okay, huh? and and Posada, his best friend, yeah. was Lou. put into the ninth inning. Chuck. I mean, to the ninth batter. I'm batter, and then he didn't say anything. Anyway, Lou, that, I hate to burst your bubble, but Chuck Norris has done a lot of things, but playing for the Yankees was was never one of them. <laughs> um, listen, listen, Derek Jeter was was Captain Clutch. Mr. November, the whole thing. I would have been a little nervous if I was pitching and Derek Jeter was up at bat in a big spot. Not Chuck Norris, but Derek Jeter. You'd have a little bit of a different type of intimidation with Chuck in the box. You would, yes. As a pitcher, yes, you definitely would. But, as I said, baseball is a team sport. It's not an individual sport. And I agree with your initial point, because (laughs) because I said it in the open, but I, I, I wish that he had acknowledged teammates more in his speech. I do, because he was part of a Yankee dynasty. It wasn't a one-off, two-off championship. He was a part of a Yankee dynasty. And I know he mentioned Steinbrenner and Mr. T and, and all that, but, like, the guys that were there that made the trip for him, I feel like they could have been a little bit more acknowledged, you know? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I have no idea. It appears as though Jacob deGrom has been spending his time on the IL at Hogwarts. And apparently, there's been a Vulnera Sanantor spell cast upon his elbow because it's an automatic healing spell. Did you guys hear? His arm, Jacob deGrom's arm, is apparently healed on its own. Hallelujah, we have to talk about this. And what to do next with baseball's best pitcher. Coming right up. I thank God for my life. For the stars and stripes, may freedom forever fly. Let it ring. Salute the ones who die. The ones that give their lives so we don't have to sacrifice all the things we love. Like our chicken fries. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime. Oh, yeah, this. I'm going to be seeing this song live tonight. This is a Zach Brown band, if you didn't know. On this September 11th, I'm sure every time you see them live, in the crowd, you know, breaks out in a USA, USA. Can't wait for that tonight. It's going to be a great time. Nash FM, 
Odyssey's Stars and Strings uh, tonight at Pier 17. If you're going, let me know. So we talked a little bit about Jacob DeGrom's injury. I'll get you back to your calls in, in uh, a few seconds here. 877-337-6666. And again, if you can't get through on the phone, so you could tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Jacob DeGrom's injury. We all know now it was a sprain or a partial tear of the UCL in the throwing elbow. Okay, so this past week, a couple days ago, I think Thursday, Sandy Alderson said, and this is his direct quote, he said, at this point, the sprain has resolved itself. The elbow is perfectly intact based on the MRIs and our clinical evaluations through our doctors. The ligament is perfectly intact at this point. Whatever condition existed before, it's resolved itself, and that's one of the reasons he didn't pitch for a period of time. What? <laughs> what was that? Maybe the man really did go to Hogwarts and get put under that healing spell. I mean, DeGrom on Thursday then said, I mean, that, first of all, they should have done this, like, together. Like, they shouldn't have been isolated here and there. It's like kind of like, well, 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 but actually put them in the same room and let them talk about it together. But that's just me. DeGrom said, I know what was said, but my ligament is perfectly fine. I wouldn't be throwing if I had a compromised ligament. That's the plan to continue to throw and build up and see where we end up. And that's all I'm going to say. Then he walked right away from all the reporters. So this brings up two things. One, should the Mets shut him down? Absolutely not. This injury is seen as a... Saturday night. Welcome back to Danielle McCartan in the daytime on the fan. This is Cole Strindell. Last single Saturday night. I'm a huge country music fan. Some of you guys are like scratching your ears out right now. I love it. My roommate in college always said, when she opened the door, she never knew what was going to be playing. It was going to be country music or Lady Gaga or I love Big Sean. <laughs> it was just uh, just an eclectic hey. taste. I love Big Sean. Oh, my God. Drake. I mean, anything. Anything that when she walked in, she was like, I never know what's going to be playing out of your computer. Speaking of Drake, you listen to that new uh, Drake album? Uh, underwhelming. Yeah. Yes, but underwhelming. What do you think? For sure. I, uh, I mean, there's a couple of bangers on there. Couple. No doubt. Yeah. But, yeah, you're 100% right. Definitely underwhelming. I know. And so was the last one, too, I thought. So I don't know about yeah, Drake. Yeah, the last real, I mean, his best stuff was the early, yeah. like, first three, four albums. Yes. But, yeah, the last two or three have just been whatever. Yeah. Since, like, what, what was it, Scorpion? Yeah. I wasn't too into that. Yeah. And when he says, uh, ooh, tell me Drake fell off. Ooh, I needed that. Well, we're telling you, Drake, you fell off. You need a little pick-me-up here. need another headlines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, and I don't really like Kanye West uh, for many reasons, but Donda, I think, is a better album. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of Kanye just in general, mm. so I definitely see Donda being a much better album. And, I mean, Yeezy in his own right, He, you're right. He's got a lot of stuff going on that I, I'm with you. I definitely, yeah. you know, not too huge of a fan with, but... The music has always been second to none, in my opinion. And he's, in my opinion, top five producer of any genre all hmm. time. We're going to put David Guetta on that list, too. Definitely, definitely toss him right there in the mix. You know, I, you know, I, and we'll get to your calls in a second, you guys, but this is interesting. We're going to stay on this vein. Um, the one of the main, you know, when, when he interrupted Taylor Swift and he said, I'm going to let you finish. Okay. Yeah, I'll let you finish in a minute. Yeah, I, I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce, one of the best videos of the year, whatever. I was there. And I was there at the VMAs. It was at Rock, uh, Rockefeller Center. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, Radio City it was. And I was 
we were outside because we were part of the Taylor Swift performance. I was. Really? Yes, I was. And so when we were standing outside, you know, it was a commercial, everything, she's ready to come out and everything. Through the glass in the lobby of the Radio City Music Hall was Taylor Swift and her mother. And they were both crying in the lobby of Radio City Music Hall. I saw it with my own eyes. Wow. Now, look at that. That's a that's a first-hand yeah. account mm-hmm. of something that, I mean, yeah. many and many of people speculate and talk about. So I, saw I, it. I like hearing it. I like hearing it from the first-hand account. So from that day on, I was like, Kanye West? Eh. No bueno. Yeah. Eh. You know, he made her cry. Literally, it wasn't an act. It was a real thing. And she was crying in the lobby with her mother. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that, that ain't it, Chief. That's not it. No. I don't care. Okay. We got the email back. All right. We're good. Okay. So let's go back. Can we go back to uh, 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 Alonzo or Boone? Can we? Justin in Deer Park. Could, could you humor me, Justin? You want to play? Sure, Daniel. Okay. Um, how about this? This guy said, I know we're going to do it. Our best baseball is still ahead. Um, I'm going to guess Boone. Boone it is. Yeah, you were paying attention during my open. I used it there. All right, Justin, I what are you going to talk about? I didn't even listen to the opening today. I was out. I heard some of the opening. I missed a lot of it. All right, well, you got That's it. Why right. I'm just late calling today. Like, are you ready for some giant football? I'm, I'm ready for today. some football, yes. Let's do it. Yep, I'm ready. It's been a long time in the making, huh? Yep. You know, I was hope it's a good season for New York. Well, define good. How many games do you think the Giants are going to win? Oh, let me. I'm looking at the schedule in front of me. I think they may win. Like I can say, like maybe an eight and eight, maybe a nine and eight. Mm, so eight or nine games, huh? Yeah, that's a little optimistic, I would say, Justin. I'm I'm going to go probably like seven for the Giants. I can see that possibly, but if I. Both New York teams, I don't think are going to be so great this year, but I think the Giants might have be a bit better. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing, Justin, and thanks for the call there. And we could talk definitely more football tomorrow. I'm back tomorrow, you guys. 10, I mean, I'm sorry, 12 noon to about 2, 10, 2, 15 or something like that. I'm back tomorrow. We can do wall-to-wall football if you want. Um, but the Giants, I mean, the goal for the Giants, and we can talk more about tomorrow, but the goal for the Giants is going to make the playoffs. You have to make the playoffs if you're the New York football Giants. Jets, I think... Uh, Six wins is enough. You get into the playoffs, lucky you. But the Bills are going to be a um, the Bills are going to be the best team in the division. That's for sure. And um, I think this season the Giants are a better team, but I think long term the Jets are set up better. If that makes sense. But we will talk more football tomorrow, you guys. We will have wall to wall football tomorrow um, on on opening day, week one for the New York Giants and the New York Jets. But did you watch? Hey, how about did you watch uh, the Thursday night football? Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. I was talking to a guy at work. He's a huge Cowboy fan. We had Jersey Day on Friday. I wore a Joe Namath jersey. He had on a Dak Prescott jersey. And he was like, yes, Dak looked great. Dak looked great. Mm, I mean, he looked good. Better than everybody thought. And that's being optimistic. Let's go to Bridgeport, Connecticut. Tony, you're up on the fan. Yeah, Coach. Um, You know, you're blaming Booney. But Booney don't even play, fill out their lineup. The problem with the Yankees is how they want. The Yankees don't want to win a championship. They just want to win enough so enough four million fans come to the stadium. Well, then how do you, you tow know, that balance? How do, how do you do that? Because they get people to come, you know, get a decent enough lineup up there, and they why do they go get Rizzo and this dude, you know, two strikeout artists? 
we had some kids playing. They got a kid playing. I don't even know his name. Playing center field, running down everything. We throw him back in the minors. That's when we were winning. When we were bunting the ball, moving the ball around, mm-hmm. not thinking about strikeouts. All these guys were all the same. Well, Tony, um, I, 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 <laughs> breaking down the, the Yankees roster, why did they go out and get Rizzo and Gallo? Gallo was the strikeout machine. Everybody knew it when he got here. The reason why they got them was because they were two left-handed power bats. That's what they needed. Left, right, left, right in the order. That's what they needed. Rizzo has been good. Rizzo, in his past 13 games, he's hitting three thirty-three with five extra base hits, six RBIs. And this was not including last night, by the way. But Rizzo's been good. Gallo, we talked about it here. He was going to be feast or famine, home run, strikeout, and that's what you were going to get from Joey Gallo. But there's a lot of things to like about Joey Gallo not in the the scorecard, the box score. Throwing runners out of the plate. He should have nailed, nabbed that runner at the plate last night. Gary Sanchez screwed it up for him. So it's like, I know I talk about Javier Baez and how he's feast or famine, strikeout, home run, this and that. I know I talk about that, but the Mets lineup is not built to absorb a bat like that, if that makes sense. The Yankees can absorb a bat like Joey Gallows because he gives some extra stuff to to the lineup and, and in the field and on the base paths of when he eventually gets there. And Bias can do that too on the base paths. But what I'm saying is the Yankees can absorb that. They've got bats around him that can that could pick up the slack. I mean, if you put Joey Gallo on the Mets, I mean, you'd be running him out of town already because that would it would be that glaring. But since he's on the Yankees, it's it's not so glaring. That's why they brought them in, the left-handed power bats. That's that's the reasoning. Has it worked out? I mean, yes, when you're pulling up from the minors, those players are hungry playing. They want to be there. They want to make an impact. Velasquez sleeps in the same bed in the Bronx. I mean, those are the players, the gritty players. That That's what's missing from the Yankees, the grit, the will to win and the grit. And those players brought it. Whether your name is Aaron Judge or or Greg Allen, if you bring the grit, you should be able to input, be input into that lineup. And that's not what's happening with this Yankees team. Walter in Scarsdale, you're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. Hey. I, I think it's time for the Yankees this coming season, offseason, to trade Gleyber Torres. Uh, the man, the worst thing that happened to his career, he hit 38 home runs yep. two years ago mm-hmm. when the ball was lively. And even Brett Gardner hit high in the high twenties. Yeah, so, and, and, uh, wait. and now now he swings from the heels. Yep, like exactly. He thinks he's going to hit a home run. Exactly, and he that, may still have some value. That but, season was the outlier in the data. Uh, absolutely, of course. And Walter, would you believe it? I was on here in the off season, December, January, saying trade Glaber Torres. People were coming after me on Twitter like you wouldn't believe. And guess what? Here you are suggesting the same thing. I mean. There it is. I, I just one thing else I want to say. Lou from uh, Astoria was a hundred percent right about that incident. That goes back a while before he was even captain. Alex Rodriguez and Derek were still friends. Uh, a, a, some guy, a pitcher, Frankie Perez from the Seattle Mariners, uh, came close to Girardi a few times. They had an argument. Girardi kind of walked towards him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perez punched him in the head about three times. Wow. Both benches are emptied, and Alex and Derek were holding each other, smiling. And uh, what's his name went crazy over it, uh, the left fielder. 
Chad Curtis. And, and the next day, he criticized. He grabbed Derek on the side and said, he wasn't the captain at the time. He was mm-hmm. just Derek. And he said, you don't do that when your teammates are involved. And Lou was 100% right. A week later, he got traded. Hmm. Oh, yeah, you could see it on video. You yeah, could, I'm going to Google you it. Know, listen, yeah. Girardi, was, Girardi was still a player, and he got punched in the head about three times by Perez. And the, the two of them were just holding each other and smiling like it was, you know, they were, it looked like two hockey players holding each other, but smiling like it was a joke. And Meanwhile, what, Girardi was, get, was getting punched in the head. What was the name of the you picture? Can check it. What's that? What was the name of the picture? Perez? What was his first name? Frankie Perez. I think it was Frankie Perez. Frankie Perez. He was a kid from Brooklyn. I remember that too. Oh, 15 most entertaining bench clearing brawls in baseball history. I, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to do- <laughs> go into that article. All right, Walter. just look at it. You see Derek and and Alex laughing. That was before they had their disagreement. Whatever. Anyway. All right. I got you, Thank Walter. You. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, let's go. Uh, and I do have that tab open right now. Uh, and I will. Uh, Let's see. I have to scroll and find it. There's 15 listed there. I don't know which which number that is. Okay, let's go. Kevin in Camden. You're up next on the fan. What's up, Coach? What's up? Are you going to do the uh, Boone um, Alonzo game? Because I'll play. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot about that. Okay, yeah. Good. Got it. Okay. Um, hmm. I got three left. All right. All right. How about this one? I know we have the most passionate fan base in baseball, and I understand it's frustrating. It's frustrating for us. But just understand that we're here together. We're all in this together, and we got this. Just smile and know that we got this. Pete Alonzo. That's yeah. It's the uh, I do, and that that comment went over real well, didn't it? No, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, uh, smile. Just be, smile. Uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> smile. I'll smile when they make the playoffs. That's yeah, how's smile. that sound? Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, be, the, the Mets and Yankees will both be home. I'm saying it now. Both of them will be on the couches like us watching the playoffs from home because they're both done um i called about the yankees because uh, gary sanchez i gave him a compliment last week <laughs> and he chokes he sticks it up this week i mean that, that tag what what was that i mean i don't know gallo with a great throw and sanchez I mean, kevin great it was it was a perfect ben throw sanchez is the ben simmons of baseball okay what do you ben mean simmons by that? was afraid to dunk and Sanchez is afraid of contact. You, you guys are in the wrong. I mean, come on, man. It's like, Sanchez, uh, I never liked the guy. I, I, and this just proves why I don't like him. Uh, as far as Gleyber Torres, because I, I, I saw him live with, with Trenton. I thought he was going to be a stud. He had that one good year, as you just said, but I, he really, man, I, he's got to go, too. I, I hate saying it, I lose it. I mean, this this whole team. I think this whole team. They just need a re a re a redo a restart because Boone is not the guy. Boone the loon. Please, I, I've had it. This guy just you talk about. He says the same thing. I'm getting tired of hearing it, man. Yeah. Like I start tuning out his press conferences. I mean, really, because I know it's going to be better, right? I mean, it's just Boone. I, I can't even. I, I keep going on and on about it. It's Boone is just. Please, he. he I miss Girardi. I'm just wondering that way. Girardi, yeah, and if he really Yankees need to bring him back. Well, that Kevin, just that, saying, that's that. not going to happen. They're going to have to find somebody that's going to be like him to bring him. Bring yeah, well, it's it, New York. They better find somebody good. Well, but. that's the thing, Kevin, and thank you for the call. There, the pendulum always swings in different directions. Whatever line of work you're in, if something's going one way, like 
Joe Girardi was like the, we'll call him the enforcer type, right? And then they swung exactly in the opposite direction. They picked like a buddy-buddy player manager type. What happens, they have to find somebody in the middle. That's the thing. But here's the thing. Aaron Boone still has a job. He's still the manager of the Yankees. And, and Brian Cashman is still the GM. So I don't want to get into fantasy GM here and be like, well, this is the guy I want. This is so much can change between now and then. And first, let's let's just wait and see if there's 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 an opening. Because deep down, I'm thinking there's not going to be one. Deep down. And as far as you know, what happens at the shortstop position for next year? I don't think you have Velasquez there every single day. I, I, the bat has got to improve. If the bat improves, talk to me. But Glaber Torres, talking about contracts, he's still a, a cheap player. He does not make a lot of money comparatively. And then when you think about the rest of the team, how much they gave Garrett Cole, how much Aaron Judge is going to be due, et cetera. Go down the line. How much they've wrapped in in Aaron Hicks, how much they have wrapped in John Carlos Stanton. I mean, and, and the, the unwillingness to move over the next level of threshold for the luxury tax, you got to ask yourself, who are you bringing in? Is it going to be Corey Seager? Because they already have his replacement, Trey Turner, right there in, in L.A. He's as good as gone. But then you have to pay Trey, uh, Corey Seager. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm not in the in the negotiation rooms with these Yankees. I'm not in the boardroom with these Yankees. But something's got to give. Whether that's going to be blow by the luxury tax threshold like like the Dodgers have. And, oh, look, they're, they are a great team. Or it's just going to be, let's hope Glaber Torres can improve because he's a cheap player. Let's hope, you know, Luke Voigt can improve because he's a cheap player. Let's hope. I mean, there's a lot of hope tied up in that if you're not, if you're catching my drift. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, but I, I will say, what a difference a week makes. We were here last week, just last week, seven days ago, debating who would start game one of a potential AL division series for the New York Yankees. But right now, the more essential question really is, are these Yankees going to make the postseason at all? I put up a poll on Twitter the other day, or yesterday, I guess it was. I want you to call up, tell us what you think. Will the Yankees make the playoffs, make the postseason? 877-337-6666. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan. I'm with you for about another half an hour till 4 p.m. when Joe Giglio comes your way. I like to say his name in Italian, Joe Giglio. Giglio. Giuseppe Giglio. (laughs) Joe's coming your way at 4 p.m. And we were just talking about, you know, what a difference a week makes. I mean, I feel like I come on here every week and say this about this Yankees team. Like, hey, they're going to win the World Series. And hey, fire everybody. I I guess week to week, that's how it goes. But... You know, last week we were just debating on who's going to start a, a, a theoretical potential game one of the ALDS. Was it going to be Montgomery, Tyone, and Cortez Jr.? And now, oh my God, the relevant question is, are the Yankees going to even make the postseason? They've lost seven games in a row. So, last night I put up, I love Twitter polls. I put up a Twitter poll 
first inning of that Subway Series game last night, and I said, are the Yankees a postseason team or are they not? I love doing short polls. I love that. I just love the instant gratification, honestly. It was an hour. I did an hour-long poll. And 62% of you guys before the game, like an hour into the game, voted that the Yankees are not a postseason team. 62% of you guys voted that the Yankees are not a postseason team. Ultimately, I think they end up squeezing in somehow. It's it's going to be in the second wild card spot. That's the last possible spot in the postseason, as you know. I mean, look at where they sit right now. They're right behind the Red Sox, who have the first wild card spot. And it's like, you know, they say, don't look down. Well, don't look down because the Blue Jays are just a half game out of the Yankee spot right now. And the A's and the Mariners are tied for just one game out of the Yankee spot. And for me, that would be too close for comfort for me. But ultimately, I know 62% of you guys said the Yankees are not making the postseason. I think somehow they're going to squeak in because they had a 13-game winning streak. They have a seven-game losing streak. It's like the pendulum will swing back and then and then see what happens. Roll the dice and, and see what happens. I don't know. Let's go to Patrick in Queens. You're up on the fan. Yeah, Hi. Hi. Okay. Uh, two points. Firstly, watching Sanchez play baseball Brutal. is like watching a cake on baking in the oven. A cake should not on bake in the oven, and Sanchez should not play baseball. It's brutal point, to watch. Fundamentally yeah. wrong. I mean, the the leg down kills me. You know, receiving the balls. Um, I mean, it was just a comedy of errors. I, I calculated yeah. three runs that are attributed to him directly in last night's loss. I know it ultimately was a blowout, but at the times, the crucial mistakes that he made came at crucial times last night. The first inning and the third inning. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. The second point is that last night is the kind of game that doesn't just get the manager fired. He doesn't just get the general manager fired. Gets the guy who sweeps up the locker room after the game is over. And oh, don't, don't pick fired. on him. And why? Why is that? It's very simple. Because this team was not ready to play last night. This is a point that people have been skirting around all day. And they were unready to play. And the only responsibility that is, is falling on Aaron Boone. Period. And that is what we're dealing with with the New York Yankees. And those are my points. Now I'm going to go. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Thank you. And you too, Patrick. You're going to take leave. Uh, listen, we talked about it in the open. And it was a question that Meredith Brockovitz had asked him. And basically, I'm trying to find the quote here. Uh, she asked if his team came in unfocused last night in the postgame. And he responded with, no, I've been asked that question a lot. Well, wait a second. If you've been asked that question a lot about your team, and I go back to Brian Hoke asking him if if his team is used to losing. Remember that? Remember that whole thing? I mean, this is a, it's a manager that can't get his team ready to play competitive baseball. It's just what it is. I mean, now if if that were Gary, if I were the manager of Gary Sanchez, I would have taken him off the field when when he came off the field and demonstrated right there in the dugout the correct way to apply a tag to a runner running home on a perfect throw, perfect strike from your left fielder. Here's how you do it. And I know before one of the callers said, well, you just put the glove down and wait for him to slide into it. And it's a little bit more difficult nowadays in, in MLB because they have the, you know, the swim slides and the hook slides and, and all that stuff, right? So it's not Little League ball. However, the concept is the same. 
You never, ever, ever reach for the head of a runner sliding at you. I was taught that at a very young age as a shortstop of the runners stealing second base. Never reach. You you never reach for them because they get in under you. You never reach. And Gary Sanchez forgot the cardinal rule of receiving a ball with a runner sliding at him last night. It's just... and, And that inning continued and got so bad that the Mets put up five runs that inning because of Gary Sanchez and his inability... To, to to be a good defensive catcher, all Gary Sanchez uh, sympathizers. Oh, you know, but listen, I've seen enough out of him. That's it. He's reached that. That's it. He's reached his potential here in New York. You had uh, D.D. Gregorius telling Moose and Maggie how long ago that he he, he needs or deserves a uh, a change in scenery. It's time. Now, Austin Wells, I'd have to really do a little research on Austin Wells and see how far he is away, what he's doing, where he is. But he is the guy coming up in the pipeline. The next homegrown Yankee. But I cannot watch Gary Sanchez. And the ball gets by Gary Sanchez. And the ball gets by Sanchez. Scored a wild pitch. (sighs) Enough is enough, man. And then, oh, oh, well, he, he hits. He's a good hitter. He runs into a couple, sure. But when you look at, for me, offensive production that he's put out, the defensive production that he's put out, the defensive production is such a, a hindrance to him and his game that I can't watch it anymore. Carol in New Jersey, you're up on the fan. Hi, hi there, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Carol? Oh, well, it's a little sad today because of 9-11. Yeah. Um, uh, are you still playing uh, Alonzo or Boone? You want to? I, I think I have one yeah, more. Yeah, sure. Okay, wait, I gotta mm-hmm. find it again. Okay, I have actually I have two more. So let's go eeny meeny mo on this. Go eeny meeny miny mo. Okay. This one is I won't give you the date yet either. I have confidence. This is and by the way, anybody that's just tuning in, getting in their cars now, I have a, a series of six quotes. This is five out of six. Is it Boone mm. or is it Alonzo? The optimism surround either of our teams. Here's the quote. Carol. It says, I have confidence in that group in there. And understand that this has been a bad week, but we got a great opportunity in front of us, and that's not going to change after tomorrow or even the next day. Is that Boone or Alonzo? Um, I'm going to take a chance to say it's Alonzo. It is not. Um, that was Aaron uh, Boone <laughs> on the 9th of September. <laughs> that was Aaron Boone. We've had uh, a bad week. He's talking about the the Blue Jays sweep at the stadium and the two losses to the. Uh, Orioles, who are the worst team in baseball. I made the wrong choice. Ah, that's okay. <laughs> All good. Did you want to make another another point? Yeah. You know, I think it's very iffy that the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. I know. Extremely iffy. And I don't know what the problem is with Araldus Chapman, mm. but I don't know what happened to him. He used to be a decent pitcher, and now he loses every single time he goes out. Yeah, so the thing with the roles of Chapman, and this is something I talk with the pitching coach whenever I was there, a month ago I was there, I guess, mm. and sat with him in the dugout, and we talked about how Chapman, has, has, they're building him back up to have confidence in his fastball, because his oh, attack plan okay. hinges off the fastball. Okay, and when you yeah. when you're seeing him not throw the fastball, it means a total lack of confidence in it, and he's just using his secondary and tertiary pitches, and that's the problem. He's got no confidence in it. You know, I thought that was a confidence problem, actually. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, Maybe mechanically, I'm sure there's stuff to clean up mechanically too. Just clean up. But the big thing is between his ears. It, it, it's, it's a mental thing for him. And Derek Cole, the Yankees paid so much money for him. And he's, he's been a big disappointment, I think. What? Come on. You can't do that to Cole. If you're, if you're looking at, if you're looking at, and Carol, thanks for the call. If you're looking at the, the um, win-loss record of Garrett Cole, you might look at that and say, yeah, it was a big disappointment. But I would like to see, and I haven't done a case study of this, is the Yankees' run production when he's on the mound. It's just, it's like the Jacob deGrom all over again. You know, when, when the big joke was, oh, Jacob deGrom, they can't score for him. I'd have to look at, at how many runs the Yankees put up for each of Garrett Cole's starts, but I'm going to venture to guess that it, that's not many. Garrett Cole has, has been, over the past whatever games, a couple, handful of games, I mean, he's been lights out. ERA the other day, the last time I looked, it was like over like the past six or seven games, the graphic set on TV, he had like a five point, a point five three ERA, less than one. And of course, and then he went out. But Garrett Cole has been great. Garrett Cole has been one of the bright spots on this Yankee team, in my opinion. Judge being the other. Those are the two guys on that team whose stock, you know, the regulars on that team whose stock is rising. And Tyler Wade, actually. Let me give that three. Judge, Cole, and I can't believe I'm saying it right. Tyler Wade. Those three guys' stocks have risen. Everybody else, and DJ LeMayu, I think, is talk about biggest disappointment. We can do that maybe tomorrow. Biggest disappointment on the Yankees. Uh, DJ LeMayu, coming off that season, which you knew was going to be a little bit of outlier of, of uh, you know, of in terms of production, but where he was... And where he is, I mean, man, talk about a confidence shaker. I mean, I don't know. But to pick on Garrett Cole, Carol, I'm going to disagree with you there. You can't pick on Garrett Cole. He has been the one guy that you can hand the ball to and say, okay, go out and give us whatever, six quality start, seven innings, whatever it is. Go out and give it to us. And he's the one guy out of that entire starting rotation that can do so. I know you guys, last week when we were talking about who was going to be getting the ball on an ALDS game one, you guys all voted Jordan Montgomery. Not me. I picked Nestor Cortez Jr. But herein lies the problem, the problem that happens every October for the Yankees. Who's the number two? And I don't know. There isn't a clear-cut answer, and that, that was the point I was trying to make about that. Corey Kluber goes tonight. I would expect five and a half. Let's go. Out of Corey Kluber, I would like to see 85 pitches and six innings. 85 pitches or six innings, whatever happens first. That's what I would like to see out of the buildup of Corey Kluber. Because he's your number two starter on paper. He's your number two. Can he get back to being that number two? We'll have to see tonight. We don't know. No one knows. And we just talked about the Yankees. Are the Mets a playoff team this year? Mets had a chance to put a stranglehold on the NLEs once upon a time, and they couldn't do it. I ask you guys, are the Mets going to make the postseason? Tell us why or why not. 877-337-6666. I can be your hero, baby. I can kiss away the I will stand by you forever. You can take whatever you're away. 
So this just brought me back to the year 2001, and this was uh, Enrique Iglesias, you know? And uh, this was like the song. This was the song after the September 11th attacks. Like, everybody was playing this song. This was like, you know, they say music is therapy. And this was, uh, this was a therapeutic song, yeah. Good choice. Throwing it back. Yeah, Enrique. Yeah, wow. I just thought back to when everybody had their flags hanging from their cars and on their taped to their car antennas and everywhere you went, every store you went to, you could not find an American flag. That's why in the open I said we are rooting for the Mets, Yankees, Jets, Giants, whoever. Freaking Astros. We're all on the same team. We are all Americans. We got Joe Giglio coming up next at 4 p.m., which means we only have a few minutes to get Back to your calls, 877-337-6666. We have a myriad of topics that we have covered today so far being the one essential question is, are the Yankees and are the Mets going to make the postseason, number one? And we kind of got into what's going to happen to those two teams in the near future and the in the long-term future of either, both, either or both of those teams. Um, we talked a little bit about September 11th and, and the attacks, the terrorist attacks on, on our soil right down the street, literally from here right now. Um, we didn't do much football, which is which is, um, which is is okay, because I'm going to be back tomorrow, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow, 12 p.m. Big Zoo and I, both of us. We got you tomorrow. We here, we here. Jets and Giants uh, are playing week one tomorrow, football, Giants, Broncos, Jets, and the Sam Darnold reunion down there in the Carolinas. So, anyway, and we did talk about, too, Something that I uh, I can never say this word vehemently disagree with you guys. If I am catching a home run ball, I don't care who hit it. I'm keeping it. I'm not throwing it back. Are you kidding me? I'm 33 years old with a life goal of catching a home run ball. I don't care who hit it. I'm keeping it. Oh, and if it's one of those ones where it's like a, a milestone home run, hmm, well, I'm going to get my non-existent agent out here and we'll negotiate a deal. We'll sit down and we'll figure something out. Call me crazy. Call me a bad person. I'm really not. But if I'm leaning over the rail and I'm catching a ball in my glove that I bring every single time I sit close enough, you best believe it. I'm keeping it. Okay, in the order that you guys called, Lenny in Fort Lauderdale, you're up on the fan. Definitely got to keep the ball. You got to bring an extra ball with you and throw back that one. So that's what my dad said, actually. He was like, come on. What kind of newbie are you? You got to bring an extra ball. And I was like, that's uh, right. Okay. Hey, um, you're on fire today. I turned in a little late, but you're on fire. I love it. You're Thank a big you. zoo. A great team. Yeah, we are. That's hey, a good job. Um, hey, can I do the last sound by the two idiots? Yes. Let me find that page. I got a million papers around here. Yes. <laughs> by the two idiots. Oh, my God. I can't believe that. Okay. So anybody just tuning in. We've got, um, yeah, it's not a sound because I didn't want to give away the voice, obviously. But we have two very optimistic people here uh, in both the New York Yankees dugout and the Mets dugout. One of them being Aaron Boone, one of them being Pete Alonso. Is it misplaced optimism? That's a story for another day. But I have one remaining quote. This one is, this is just for you, Lenny. I, I let a, put a blank here. Blank fans believe in us. And don't just believe, no, because there's tough times, not just in baseball, but with life in general. You know that this is just going to be a speed bump and a challenge. And also smile, 
you get to watch baseball. Was that Boone or Alonzo? Could be any one of those and add Rojas to the mix. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Let's put uh, Alonzo on that one. Give him the buzzer. Oh, no. No, no, the dinger. The dinger I meant. Oh, the dinger's not working. All right. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. You oh, got it. I got it. Look at that. <laughs> that Look was at that. Pete Alonzo. Right? Smile. You get to watch baseball, <laughs> everybody. I mean, come hey, a couple on. Of th- couple of things. Did you hear, did you hear uh, Evan tear apart Rojas? That was awesome. I did not. I did not. Oh, and that's on my open tabs at home to, to listen to. It is. You must see it. And Okay. Here's my take for the day. Uh, it's been established that the Mets and the Yankees aren't worth our time. Between the way they don't care about the fans, the way they sloppy play on the base on on the field, Lenny, how about the, the thumbs down? That was the ultimate. That might as well uh, have been the middle finger to the fans. Unbelievable! Unbelievable. They, they, I guess they would prefer the cardboard fans. Yeah, I like guess so. Yeah, I know. They probably find fault with them as well. You know. <laughs> yeah, you looked at me wrong. But the story, <laughs> but the story that you should be paying attention, especially you. I'm surprised you haven't talked about it. Is the women's tennis that's going on? You know, this Layla yeah. Fernandez uh-huh. is just she stole the heart of the, of the tennis stadium yeah. of all the fans. She plays with a heart on her sleeve. She's not jaded like these other stars. She truly loves the fans, and she's beaten three out of the top five. I know. Get that. I have seen so that on the news. Watch. Crazy. And I'm looking forward to this match. I think it's coming on right after you get off, 4 o'clock, her against the other 18-year-old. I know, Another. two teenagers. You know, oh, it's Len- unbelievable. I know, and they play Len- so hard. Lenny, it's when so- I think about the kids that, that are in my classroom, and I'm like, okay, these kids could be playing in the, like, at this level? I mean, I, it's amazing to me. Oh, I got sucked into this, and I, I'm, I'm loving it. They play so hard. Mm-hmm. They want to win. They're enjoying it. And and it just goes to say, like the, uh, I like those soccer, but... You know, you get a little fame, you get a little jaded, and then all of a sudden you, they have no love of the game anymore. These two kids, you can see it on them when they're playing it, and it just comes across on the TV and stands everywhere. And anybody who's listening, I think they should tune in and watch that match today. I think it'll be great. Cool. And that's pretty much it. You're doing great. I love all the extra time again. I'll be listening tomorrow. And I have to ask, did Vernon call? Not today, no. Nothing from oh, Vernon today. We miss Vernon. Yeah. All right, but great show. Keep it up. And uh, let's go Layla Fernandez. That's who I'm rooting for. All right, Lenny. We will talk again right, tomorrow. Jets. Let's go Jets. Let's go Jets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lenny. All right, thanks. Danielle. Bye. Bye. And it looks like, Scott, you are going to be our Mariano Rivera of the day here, Scott. Scott in Baltimore, you're hey. up. Hey, Danielle. How are you doing? I'm um, great. Home and a home run and foul ball story for uh, you. Tell me. Uh and you answered my one question when you said how old you were, so you weren't alive. It was uh, October, or I'm sorry, July 13th, 1985. Orioles were playing the White Sox. Gary Renicky, who played later for the Yankees, hit his only grand slam at home in his career. Mm-hmm. And uh, front row of the outfield, you know, they were like 20-foot high wall. Mm-hmm. Guy, you couldn't sit in the front row. So a guy in the second row reached over, put his glove, like it was like two by fours, on the top of the fence. Ball hit his glove, bounced into the second row. Tony Russa came out and protested it big time, said it wouldn't have gone out, should have been or whatever. Hmm. Uh, there's like 10 of us, and I'm head first in the bottom of the seat. <laughs> I see this guy's hand on the ball. Both my hands are with, so I pull his thumb off with my hand. <laughs> oh, savage. Gr- grab the ball, and once I get really strong hands because I used to be a professional bowler, but once I grabbed the ball, no one was getting it. So I grabbed the ball, <laughs> pulled it out, put it in my pocket. My buddy with me, who's like 6'6", I said to him, should I 
let them stop scrambling and tell them I got the ball. He said, "No, nah, let no. it go for a while." <laughs> and that <laughs> was that was yeah, that was the only time. Well, at Memorial Stadium, that we ever sat in fair territory. We always sat behind home plate. And you got a in ball. The and I get a grand slam ball from Gary Renicky. And that was like my fourth ball. I used to go all the time by myself. I was stationed in the Air Force at NSA. And I was born in Baltimore as well. And I would go because you could get a box seat, you know, a nice single one for eight, nine bucks. Yeah. And my first foul ball ever was Ben Ogilvy hit it. And I caught it, you know, over the backstop. Scott, that's an awesome call. I appreciate that. And thank you for your service. And, and you know what? I hate to cut you off there, but we, we, we're, we're, we got, the music is coming up. So I just want to say on this uh, 20th anniversary of the September 11th terror attacks here in, in lower Manhattan, you know, just thank you to all the first responders and the Americans that defend our country, both past, present, and future. I got my FDNY cap on right now. Obviously, my condolences and to the thousands of families affected by this great American tragedy. And just a, a quick rest in peace to the 2,977 innocent souls that perished on this day 20 years ago. May we never forget and always remember. Thanks to all the callers. I could not have done this without you guys. I love coming here and talking with you all. And if you missed any portion of today's show, you're going to hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, 1 p.m. Great job to Big Zoo, Ed Arzuman, Behind the Glass. We make a great team. And also to Erica Herskowitz on our updates. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow at 12 noon. That is at Big Zoo and I. Mark it down, 12 noon, up until Giants pregame. Joe Gidio up next. In the meantime, hit my social medias at Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We'll keep the conversation going there. And you guys, I'm going to the Odyssey concert tonight on a Pier 17, but you guys can give me the, the Mets and Yankees updates. All good. All good. And, of course, I'm going to be getting from the push notifications anyway. So, you know what? We'll be back tomorrow, 12 noon. It's a Giants and Jets football Sunday, everybody. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. WF.